I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Democrat Senator Joe Manchin once again making headlines after dealing his party another blow, saying he will not support their push to force through a massive new tax and spend agenda. Democrats will now be forced to settle for a far less ambitious bill, dashing hopes for a sweeping package that would bolster their midterm prospect. What a shame. Friends, it is time for Hold the Line. Welcome back to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. Look, the Biden agenda, Build Back Broke. I know they call it Build Back Better, but it's not going to work. And it looks like it's not even going to happen. It hasn't worked up to this point, but they still really want to spend a lot of money. They want to raise your taxes. Do the things that Democrats always want to do, seems despite the very obvious reasons for it not to be done. They don't care. They just push anyway. Late last night, Manchin told Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer that he will oppose, despite all this, an economic measure they've been negotiating that would include, or rather, if it included, climate or energy provisions or boost taxes on the rich or on corporations. So Manchin essentially saying, look, I saved you guys before, a year ago, when you wanted to do Build Back Better which was going to be about a $5 trillion spending package because that was when inflation was just starting to get going. Now inflation's out of control, over 9%. What would make inflation worse? Ask yourself that question. What do we know would make inflation more uh, more destructive than it already is to the economic well-being of the American people? Trillions of dollars of additional spending, of course. So Manchin, for all the heat they gave him a year ago, 
is really the Democrats' unsung hero in a sense because he managed to prevent their party from the full-on implosion that would have happened going into this midterm election if inflation was 12, 15, maybe 20 percent. Who knows? Manchin is only willing, he says, to support a reconciliation bill now, coming up in August, that includes a provision to lower prescription drug prices and a two-year extension of subsidies for the Affordable Care Act. So Manchin is playing, let's make a deal. And he's saying, nothing on your Green New Deal nonsense, speaking of deals, and no climate change craziness, and no raising taxes. Well, the problem is Democrats, they want to do that more than anything else. So where does that leave them right now? It's going to be fascinating to watch this play out. Senator Manchin's spokesperson put out this statement, political headlines are of no value to the millions of Americans struggling to afford groceries and gas as inflation soars to 9.1%. Senator Manchin believes it's time for leaders to put political agendas aside, reevaluate and adjust to the economic realities the country faces to avoid taking steps that add fuel to the inflation fire. So indeed, indeed, he is seeing what's going on here and coming away with the very straightforward, very straightforward uh, approach that you shouldn't do the one thing that would make the one really bad thing now an even worse thing. Very straightforward, right? But Democrats are very upset about this. Progressive Representative Jared Huffman of California said in response to Manchin's decision, it's important that every young person, every activist, the majorities of this country who are demanding climate action understand very clearly this is not the Democrats. This is one very corrupted, compromised man named Joe Manchin. When it comes to the most important existential issues of our time, this man is a wrecking ball. So there are progressive lunatic Democrats, obviously, who are upset at Manchin. They should be thanking him for saving their party from certain electoral annihilation. But because once again, facing the same kind of decision. Should we do a massive increase in spending after we've already spent trillions and trillions too much? And people can't afford their gas, their groceries, their rent. They're having problems now paying their bills. Should we do the one thing that would make all of that worse? Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, says no. Probably, first and foremost, because he wants to keep his job but maybe also just as much or close to it because he realizes that's crazy. But there's no shortage of lib crazy these days. As you see with the other, there, there, there's, there's the big issue of the build back better agenda. And then there's the Fauci mask up or else agenda. That's making another comeback right now. Fauci's arguing for mask wearing, even though we now have two years of data from schools from cities, counties, side by side, mask mandate, no mask mandate. Did the mask mandate places do better? No. Every single time, every place, all over the country, no. But they don't care. They're still telling people to mask up and get ready for the COVID season that is coming. Keep in mind, it's going to be a different COVID variant. We used to give diseases names people could remember, Lyme disease, Ebola, now it's BA25, subvariant 3, subsection 7, paragraph. You know, it's, it, it, they've just made this whole thing such a bureaucratic mess. But Fauci's out there still letting you know, you got to wear the masks, folks. It is appropriate, he says. Play that clip. You see, if you look at the map, where just a couple of months ago, it was a lot of green and some yellow. Now we're seeing 
a fair amount of orange, which means you really should, in an indoor setting, a congregate setting, be wearing masks. It's just the appropriate thing to do to defend, to protect yourself and your family. So the Fauci mentality now is whenever COVID reaches some arbitrary number of scary, COVID is scary right now in terms of the numbers. You're supposed to temporarily mask until they tell you to stop masking. Where do you mask? How often? How effectively? Don't worry about any of that. The whole point is you do what you're told, you see. It's about compliance training and political allegiance and affiliation. You wear a mask because it tells people, I'm a Democrat who takes the virus seriously and I listen to Fauci and the CDC, hashtag science. Because it doesn't actually prevent you from getting sick, as we all know. Everybody who was wearing masks got sick just like everybody else. And people who say, well, that's because they don't wear the mask perfectly. Exactly. There's no such thing as perfect mask wearing. Just ask anybody who went to a restaurant where they had to walk in, put their mask on to go to the table to then sit down with no mask on for two hours. Like we're all a bunch of morons. But Fauci is the center of this assault on reason and rationality. Fauci has done more destruction than anybody else, but he's out there making the rounds right now. Captain Mask, Fauci, pushing for whatever. Here he is on ABC. Because you go into a situation where many people are not wearing masks is not a reason for you not to wear a mask. Just because some people aren't wearing masks. He is the most destructive bureaucrat of any kind in America uh, I can think of for the last hundred years. And this guy is an absolute nightmare. He has destroyed the mental and physical health of tens of millions of Americans with his fear-mongering, with his insanity. And we're not done with this. For those of you who are watching and you live in places where you think, oh, it's not my problem. Well, the Biden administration is going to be calling the shots at the federal level for another couple of years. You don't think they're going to bring back that airplane mask mandate? You don't think that they're going to bring back mask mandates in blue cities all across the country, blue states all across the country? We'll see. L.A. is poised to restore its mask mandate. Los Angeles County is on track to enter the high COVID-19 community level as soon as Thursday, which means a mandatory mask mandate will be imposed if the county remains in the high category for two consecutive weeks, which under the current pace means the mandate will take effect by July 29th. The public health director, Barbara Ferrer, who is an abject moron, as so many of these public health professionals are, it's what we've seen. Basically, if you're a public health professional, you, chances are you were last in your class at your third or fourth tier medical school. That's the reality of, but also of epidemiologists, by the way. The number of epidemiologists who are incapable of basic reason and are true dumbasses is way beyond what anybody would have anticipated before the pandemic. But Barbara Ferrer said, I do recognize that when we return to universal indoor masking to reduce high spread, for many, this will feel like a step backwards, but universal masking makes a lot of sense because it helps us to reduce risk. No, it doesn't. She's wrong. It, she's just wrong. It doesn't reduce the risk. It doesn't reduce the spread. It doesn't reduce COVID, period. We have seen this everywhere, every study, every data set you can look at, but they just say it. It's like a religious belief for them because they're crazy. We have more on Senator Manchin's blow to the Democrat agenda, by the way, coming up with the CEO of American Majority, our friend Ned Ryan. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communication is based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. 
Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. And use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. More bad news for Democrats as West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin effectively killed any chance of major climate-related provisions making their way into Democrats' reconciliation package. And while President Biden is predicting a fall in inflation, it's unlikely to be large enough to offset voter frustration in time for the midterms. Here to explain all the politics stuff going on, CEO of American Majority, Ned Ryan. Ned, man, any, any shock about where things stand right now with Build Back Broke and they can't even get an agreement on the reconciliation? First of all, what do you think is going to happen? What's the timeline here? How do you see it playing out? Well, thank God that there's at least one Democrat senator, Joe Manchin, that has some common sense left. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, Buck, not only has it been bad monetary policy that's brought about inflation, uh, obviously with the Fed printing up massive amounts of money, our, our government spending out of control, but it's also been brought about by bad energy policy. Uh, and what Joe Manchin is saying is this climate change, uh, so we can just parse it here for, for those watching, uh, the climate change will only add to the energy crisis, will only add to the inflation crisis. Uh, and obviously, Joe Manchin is, is is being a voice of reason here, but he's also protecting his state interests. Uh, West Virginia is still the second largest coal producing state in the union. So Joe Manchin is not an idiot. Uh, he's doing this for political reasons to continue being the senator from West Virginia. But he's also being a voice of reason in, in, in saying that these climate change uh, ideas of the, the un-American left are extremely destructive to our energy policy. Uh, which the Biden administration has made very clear. They are waging war on our domestic energy policy and our, our production, uh, and they intend to destroy it. And Joe Manchin is at least fighting a good fight and saying, not on my watch. Democrats are expressing some public disappointment, Ned, in this decision that has been announced by the senator from West Virginia, Senate Finance Committee Chair Ron Wyden from Oregon. Oregon, as we know, a lot of crazy libs there. I'm not going to sugarcoat my disappointment here, especially since nearly all issues in the climate and energy space have been resolved. This is our last chance to prevent the most catastrophic and costly effects of climate change. We can't come back in another decade and forestall hundreds of billions, if not trillions, in economic damage and undo the inevitable human toll. I, and then I would just want to ask him, how could we even be worried about the economic toll? Because in another decade, we're all going to be dead unless we pass the Democrats' whimsical and random climate change uh, ideas. God, Buck, I just have to say this. I've said this multiple times on TV and op-eds. Dear God, they are stupid. The hoax of man-made global warming, we need to confront this. Uh, and we have empirical evidence. I, I remind people all the time, uh, as the un-American left continues to pursue this fool's errand, of renewables, of wind and solar and, and all these other crazy ideas. We have decades of empirical evidence out of Germany who started down this path in 2000. They're over 20 years in. They're almost 600 billion in. And now they're having to refire up their coal plants, restart their nuclear plants, having to import over 50% of their natural gas from Russia, who, oh, by the way, is starting to cut that off. 
it's an idiotic approach to energy policy. It's a national security issue. And I hope that when Republicans take the House and the Senate back in the fall, that we can we can start to put this behind us, because if we are not serious about creating more domestic energy, uh, we might find ourselves like Germany uh, at, at really at the whim of, of Russia being able to turn off their natural gas and their oil, which is not a great place to be in. Uh, if you're Germany, if Russia can do that to you on a whim, but they've allowed this to happen because they pursued renewables uh, based off the hope of man-made global warming. Ned, do you think anything is going to get passed here before we get to the midterms? Are the Democrats going to ram something through them? What do you think, if so, it would look like? Well, I hope not. I think all that they will try to do uh, is, is pass something that that's a fool's... I, again, Joe Manchin's not going to vote for anything crazy going into the fall elections. Quite frankly, uh, for those battleground Democrat senators, I suspect, Buck, they don't want to be voting on anything that's too controversial, uh, including a, a House bill that's being discussed in which semi-automatic, all semi-automatic guns would be outlawed. You really think a battleground Democratic senator up for election in 2022 wants to vote on a bill like that? I don't. I just don't see many things happening between now and the fall elections because it's very hard to pass these things in an off year. You get into the summer of a key midterm like we are in right now, boy, they seem to lose a lot of any political courage they might have had otherwise, and I just don't see much happening. How much damage do you think, Ned? Let's assume they don't get anything done, and that Republicans have let's the Republicans hand them a thorough ass kicking in the midterm elections, which would yep. be the only sane thing. But let's assume that happens. Uh, how much damage can they do in the lame duck session? Oh, I, they're going to try. I mean, obviously, I don't know all the damage that they can do, obviously, in the two months before they lose the majorities in January of 2023. I'm sure they're going to try and pass some crazy something on, on spending, on climate change. They'll do their best. But the good news is, I mean, you do have Joe Manchin. Kirsten Cinema of Arizona has also shown to have some common sense left. So I think they're going to have trouble no matter what they try to do, even in the lame duck, because it's not just Manchin, it's cinema as well. And uh, let's not forget, in the House, they need every Democrat to stay loyal because they have such a narrow majority. I, I just don't see a whole lot being really successfully passed that's a of much consequence. Gotcha. I mean, there's also this belief in Democrat circles that a mobilization in response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade might save the Democrats from a crushing loss. Uh, here is Kamala Harris, who, do you know, Ned, allegedly was uh, a graduate of law school who also was the attorney general for the state of California and had been a prosecutor. It's amazing when you hear her talk about the law or the Constitution, you wonder if she has read either of those things ever. Here she is, though, speaking on the abortion issue. This is not an issue that requires any particular person to change their faith or their belief system. It is simply that we should agree that in a democracy in America, the government should not interfere with certain decisions. Let the woman make that decision with her doctor, her loved ones, her pastor, her priest, her rabbi. But the government should not be doing that. Uh, okay, uh, first of all, this, I mean, the argument here isn't even really an argument. It's just kind of like, I want this thing and I, I want it to be this way. She doesn't even explain why that's supposed to be. But beyond that, you know, a lot of people want to make a lot of decisions. Ned, the government says no. You know, you can't just open a meth lab. Be like, people want it. It's a popular product. Right. Um, but the issue of abortion, 
as the thing that saves Democrats from the destruction they deserve in the midterms. How concerned should we be about that? I, I don't think really that concerned, Buck. I actually just had this conversation with Trump in which I said, sir, I saw a generic poll before the Dobbs decision and after the Dobbs decision in which it showed zero movement one way or the other. I've also seen a poll from CNN before, right before the Dobbs case, but the, the, it had already been you know, released uh, in which it showed two points being added to the GOP's enthusiasm gap. But I have to tell you, Buck, I think inflation is going to be such a, such a massive issue to voters come November. We're nowhere near the bottom of inflation. I think it's going to drown everything else out. So I think the economic issues, whether it's gas prices, everyday groceries, just the, the massive inflation, I think that's going to drown everything else. But I, I want to say this about Kamala Harris, who murders the English language every time she opens her mouth. Yeah, it does actually affect people's faith. And, and what Democrats are proposing, to make it clear, Buck, they are proposing infanticide. They are proposing viable human beings literally up to the moment of birth. In fact, Democrats in California even proposed a bill recently upwards to two weeks after birth that the mother would have the decision uh, whether that baby lived or died. That's what they're talking about. And I think most rational Americans, I think where we're going to end up probably 10 years from now is where most of Western Europe is, where we're going to outlaw abortions after 12 to 14 weeks when it goes back to the states. We have this real debate as it should have been before Roe v. Wade. I think we're going to settle on 12 to 14 weeks. But when Kamala Harris opens her mouth and talks about these things. They are talking about infanticide, and that is far outside the mainstream of where most of the American people are. Ned, I always appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much. Thanks, Buck. The January 6th committee shockingly has something else to focus on besides former President Trump. Senior contributor at American Greatness Julie Kelly is going to tell us what that is up next. First, let's talk about the newest sponsor here to hold the line, Off Grid Panama. A lot of you are worried about the reported food shortages, power outages, and general anarchy that could be headed our way. You're not alone. If you look at the skyrocketing cost of energy, food prices, all this stuff, it's heading in the wrong direction. Many of us are choosing to go off-grid. When you think of going off-grid, you think of living in the mountains, maybe somewhere far, far from civilization. But there's actually a safe option for going totally off-grid in Panama, Central America. And a modern home there starts at only $100,000. These homes are fully set up on a self-sustaining farm with all your needs met right on the property. Panama offers a stable government, cost-effective, high-quality medical care, and a fantastic climate. There are only 24 homes being offered in the community, so reach out to them quickly at offgridpanama.com or call them at 904-236-4737. Once again, that's offgridpanama.com or 904-236-4737. 4737. Be patient, leave a message. We think everyone is going to get back a call from them within 24 hours. So just leave them a message, give them a call today. The January 6th committee finally has something to talk about besides former President Donald Trump. The congressional investigation is now focused on new accusations that the United States Secret Service deleted text messages from January 6th and the day prior. Homeland Security Inspector General Joseph Kufari released a statement on the accusation saying, the department notified us that many U.S. Secret Service text messages from January 5th and 6th, 2021, were erased as part of a device replacement program. The Secret Service erased those text messages after the Inspector General requested records of electronic communications from the Secret Service as part of our evaluation of events at the Capitol on January 6th. 
So is this new focus of the investigation likely to bring any light to the events of January 6th? Joining me now to discuss senior contributor to American Greatness, author of the book, January 6th, How Democrats Use the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right, Julie Kelly. Julie, thanks for being back with us. Hey, Buck, thank you so much for having me on. Anything noteworthy or important here about this Secret Service text message deleting story? Do you see this and say it matters or not so much? I do say that it matters. And look, it's important to note that this happened under Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security, which oversees the Secret Service. So maybe this was planned, as they said, this reset had already been planned a few months beforehand. But look, by January 6th that night, every agency, every government agency knew the consequential events of that day. And so for this agency and then this department to allow anyone to delete anything off of their devices related to January 6th is sketchy on its face. With a lot of questions that the Secret Service still has not answered about what happened on the 5th and 6th. And perhaps uh, this relates to more of a cover-up of some of the things that we still don't know about. Well, we know that Adam Schiff is on it, Julie. So if we were worried about getting to the truth, we should be even more worried. Here he is saying that there is an open investigation into the Secret Service investigation that he's overseeing, of course. Play the clip, guys. We are investigating uh, this issue. That is, did text messages, messages disappear? Uh, if they did, why did they disappear? Uh, was this uh, some kind of a technical mistake or was this deliberate? Uh, and we are seeing conflicting uh, information from the agencies about what took place. Uh, I sent along with uh, three of my fellow chairs a preservation letter to the Department of Homeland Security that has jurisdiction over the Secret Service days after January 6th, telling them to preserve all the records. Uh, and if they haven't, we want to know why. And we are very much in the midst of that investigation. So it, it does seem remarkable that anybody could think it doesn't stink to high heaven that there was the deletion of these messages, right? I mean, in what right. way would they justify this considering the events of the so-called insurrection, Julie? I mean, what's the explanation? Well, look, I think what Adam Schiff is trying to do is suggest that this has something to do with Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, where she claimed that she had this conversation or overheard a conversation about a confrontation in President Trump's vehicle uh, after his speech that day, where she said she was told he was allegedly attacked one of his uh, Secret Service agents. That has not been corroborated. In fact, it has been disputed. So I think Adam Schiff and the committee is going to suggest that that's what these text deletions are about. But look, Buck, we have a lot of questions about the Secret Service. Number one, why did they take Kamala Harris, the incoming vice president and a sitting U.S. senator, from the Capitol late that morning around 1130 and take her to DNC headquarters where, as you know, Buck, allegedly a pipe bomb was found outside the building. Why did Secret Service take Kamala Harris there? Why did she leave? Why did they choose that building? How did Secret Service miss this explosive device that allegedly was planted the night before 
right outside of the building. We also have questions, and the Secret Service has been part of sort of covering up exactly where Mike Pence went after he was evacuated. We were told, and the government told in numerous court filings, that he remained in the US Capitol building and refused to leave. We now find out that that's not true, that he left the building, he actually left the complex and was somewhere in a remote like loading dock. We still don't know the exact location. What were they talking about? The fifth, were, were they aware of threats? Whether they were coming from Trump supporters, Antifa, BLM, who had of course rioted in that in DC for months in 2020, were they privy to some sort of threat, but nonetheless let the president speak in public that day with very little more protection than sort of this plexiglass <clears throat> shield? So these are some of the questions that we still don't have answers to. And it is extremely suspicious that these text, uh, texts and numerous, it looks like off numerous devices have now been erased and cannot be retrieved. It appears at this time cannot be retrieved. Julie, today you tweeted out, this is an important case to watch. Biden's DOJ appealed a ruling by Judge Nichols to dismiss the 512 C2 obstruction charge against a January 6th defendant case is now docketed at DC circuit. You're one of the few people that's watching all of this closely and also just raising the issue of the plight of these January 6th defendants. What's going on in this, uh, this ruling, this case? This is really fascinating, Buck. Um, so this is this 1512C2 obstruction of an official proceeding. More than 240 January 6th defendants have been slapped with this felony. DOJ has added this to mostly misdemeanor cases to produce felony charges. You will recall Jacob Chansley, uh, the furry QAnon shaman as he's called, famously was charged and pleaded guilty to obstruction of an official proceeding. He was sentenced to 41 months in prison after spending almost an entire year in solitary confinement before they tortured a plea deal out of him. We already have numerous, at least four January 6th defendants who've been convicted by a jury of this very novel, vague charge that has nothing to do, it's never been used this way before, Buck. It actually is a post Enron law that is intended to stop people from tampering with evidence. So. Judge Nichols, a Trump appointed judge, is the first judge and only judge to dismiss this count against Garrett Miller, one of the defendants. DOJ has appealed his ruling and now it will go to the DC circuit. If the circuit upholds Judge Nichols's dismissal of the count, it will reverberate to all of these other 200 plus cases, including pleas and convictions. This also is the charge that I believe one of two charges that DOJ will uh, use to indict Donald Trump before the election. So this is a really good one to watch, I guess. All responses have to be in by the end of September. So I will continue to follow this because uh, it has not just short term consequences, but long-term consequences in terms of criminalizing political conduct. Um, and so with the, so I'll be keeping an eye on this as well. Julie, and we're gonna have you back to talk about it just, just really quickly. You do believe this DOJ would be willing to bring a criminal charge against Donald Trump? Absolutely, Buck, there's no reason why they would not. Matthew Graves, the DC US attorney um, is a Biden uh, partisan obviously has charged 850 Americans and counting. The judges on the DC district, aside from this one ruling, have put no guardrails against this DOJ. And you can imagine a jury in Washington DC, including a grand jury who would indict him, 
And then a jury who would oversee any criminal uh, trial would be chomping at the bit to convict Donald Trump of anything, whether it's obstruction, conspiracy, or tampering with a witness. He will be the proverbial ham sandwich, in a sense, that, that they indict in this That's one. Right. So, Julie, I always appreciate your work on this. Thank you so much. Thanks, Buck. Have a great weekend. Thanks. The Elon Musk Twitter saga doesn't seem to be losing any steam. The billionaire and big tech giant will now head to court to settle their deal on a social media platform, that one being Twitter, of course. Devin Nunes, CEO of Trump Media and Technology Group, will join us to discuss. But right now, I want to talk to you about a great deal for my friends at My Patriot Supply. If you needed more proof that we're going to have massive food shortages in the very near future, it's here. Many American farmers have announced they don't have enough fertilizer because of global supply chain breakdowns. Everybody knows without fertilizer, you can't grow food. You can expect to see prolonged food shortages and sky-high prices for the next year at least. So what can you do to avoid this nightmare and protect your family? It's easy. Just visit preparewithbuck.com. Preparewithbuck.com. You'll find a special offer there. $150 off a three-month supply of long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Get one for each person in your family because each kid has enough food for three solid months of food per person. Go to preparewithbuck.com today. Save $150 on each three-month kit you require. More food shortages are coming. Go to preparewithbuck.com. The case of Elon Musk v. Twitter is headed to a Delaware court to decide if the billionaire will be forced to close on his deal or if he has substantial evidence justifying his decision to walk away from purchasing the social media platform. We're going to now discuss this, former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and now CEO, Trump Media and Technology Group, Devin Nunes. Devin, good to have you on. Well, great to be with you. So this seems kind of kind of nuts. Just tell everybody about what's happening here, because it started out, Elon says, you know, I want to buy Twitter. And Twitter employees, all the way up to the CEO, throw a fit. I think they actually weren't, they were in tears in some cases acting like this is going to be a big nightmare situation for them. But now Twitter is suing Elon to make him complete the purchase of Twitter. Tell us what's happening. Yeah, look, it's a totally bizarre situation. So to just to take people back in time, Elon secretly buys, I don't know, a little shy of 10% of the company. Then he gets a board seat that's kind of announced over a weekend, gets a board seat, and then I think quickly realized that he wasn't going to be able to make the changes just by sitting on the board that he wanted to make. And so then he got into some kind of bidding war and offered $44 billion. And at that point, you know, both President Trump and myself, you know, the mission of True Social is to open the internet back up, give people their voice back, and we voice support. We're like, hey, Elon Musk can buy, can buy Twitter, great. The place is a hellhole. You could buy it, great. Can you buy TikTok and Facebook too? That'd be, that would be even better. But what was obvious at the time was there was no way that Twitter could be valued at $44 billion because, you know, no offense, Buck, to, to, to you and, and, and kind of the fake news, and you're not fake news, but, but you know what I mean, the people that are in your, yeah, are in your business. It's kind of, there's not just, there's not normal Americans that are on Twitter and the place has never been profitable. So how do you pay $44 billion, even if you're the world's richest man? And then what, what I had pointed out uh, several times is that there's just a lot of bot farms on there, a lot of spam accounts. It's a place that celebrities, Hollywood types, fake news media, they go and use Twitter as essentially a global PR wire. That's all it is. It's not a social networking company like you see at TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and what we're trying to become at True Social. 
On the legal side of this, I know you're not you're you're you know not involved in this specifically as a litigator, and you're running Truth Social, which is a social media platform that does actually believe in free speech. Which I, I'm old enough to remember when all the social media platforms pretended that they believed in free speech. By the way, Devin, I, I remember even five or six years ago before Trump, if if you said that conservatives were being censored, that was a conspiracy theory. I, I have to remind people of this that the line from the yeah. fake news media was conservatives aren't being censored. It was just a mistake. But anyway, now they say, yeah, we're stomping on your face because we can. They've changed that whole mentality. But on the actual purchase of Twitter here, because I think this will have ramifications across the social media ecosystem, uh, depending on whether this goes through or not. Here's a CNBC contributor who's saying that the case is not looking great for Elon Musk's argument, which means that he may be forced to buy the company at the agreed upon price. Watch this one. Based on what we've seen so far, and I'm including that letter he filed that said he was terminating the deal because he claimed that Twitter was in breach, um, it does not look like his claims are very strong. I mean, this has, ha as you say, this has happened before. Buyers have agreed to buy companies, things change, the markets change, and they want to back out. And when those cases have actually been litigated, um, very often they've, uh, those buyers have been forced to close, even over their own objections. Forced to close? That would be an interesting state of affairs. So we are now at the place where Twitter has gone from, we will poison pill the deal, we'll do anything we can to stop Elon from buying it, to now, when they realize the economy is about to take a, you know, take a huge dive, it already is in the midst of it, I think, because thanks, President Biden. Now they're saying, oh, you better buy us or else. That's a remarkable turnaround. Yeah. And I think, look, we only know so much, but the way that I've read this is, is that there's a termination clause where Elon would have to put up, I don't know, approximately a billion dollars. And my guess is, is that's what they're kind of arguing over. I'm sure Elon doesn't want to have to put up the billion dollars to, to walk away. But I think for sure he has figured out that the place is full of bot accounts and spam accounts. And, and I think that's a problem. So Look, at the end of the day, this is all going to come down to, you know, who's the judge in Delaware? Does this go to a jury trial or do they ultimately reach some type of, of resolution? But look, for sure, there I believe that, that Twitter needs Elon Musk a hell of a lot more than Elon Musk needs Twitter. I think this is a company, I've called it a house of cards. Uh, and simply just going back to what I said earlier, it just doesn't have the user base that uh, that you know that they portray that yeah. they have can i and can i dig in on that for a second because it would seem like from a due diligence perspective active users like if if elon was trying to buy a website and they were saying how many uniques do you have a month that is essential to understand the value of that website in a social media platform how many users active users there are clearly affects the value so one, why is it so hard for Twitter to apparently get that number? And two, I mean, you must deal with this on Truth Social. Is it possible to clean it up and get rid of the bots, right? I mean, are you guys able to, at Truth Social, able to uh, clean things up and have fewer bots? Well, look, you know, we do everything we can. We're under constant attack. But the goal of our company, right, the mission is to open the internet back up, give the American people their voice back. We don't want bots. So, you know, we're constantly, we have people trying to come on the platform. So we have bot mitigation measures. With Twitter, it's entirely different. And Buck, you, you will know this from your old days in the intelligence world. There were plenty of uh, kind of black operations that were operating uh, to allow that, you know, people specialized in, hey, 
hire us and we'll get you a bunch of new followers on Twitter. Uh, we'll make sure that you have great engagement and you will catch those, you know, back in the day when I used to be on there, you would catch them because you would have 30, 40, 50 accounts all say the same thing on a, on a particular post. So, so I look, here's the bottom line. This, this is, I think what this is going to come down to. This is a bit of a standoff between Musk and Twitter. I think Twitter would like to try to quickly force him to have to buy this because it's a boom for them because it's paying $44 billion for something that's probably worth somewhere in the in the 10 to $20 billion range. It still does have a value because it has that global brand as a, as a PR wire. But here's where that, that this is where this is going to really become, I think, a problem for Twitter. If this gets into discovery and Twitter has to actually produce how many daily active users do you really have? How many are engaged on the platform? I think it becomes a big problem for them because likely if, if they've been misrepresenting this, and, and I will say this, we don't know, we haven't really seen real numbers from, from Twitter in terms of daily active users for a long time. They changed the metrics, they changed the way that they report uh, to the SEC. This is a public company that has that responsibility. And then of course, they're out selling their, their metrics to advertisers who have advertised on the platform. So there could be all sorts of peril here for Twitter if they have misrepresented to stockholders and to the people who have bought advertising on their platform. So that's gonna be the standoff. I don't know how it's gonna end, but it's gonna be fun to watch. And it could go on for quite a while. Fox Business had a headline, Elon Musk's Twitter saga will likely drag out and there is no precedent for this. And the thing is about a pretty big company uh, squaring off against the richest man on the planet. You know who's definitely going to win here, Devin? The lawyers, <laughs> right? A lot of billable, a lot of billable hours coming their way. I was going to, you know, I was thinking that, you know, the, the winner here is going to be true social, man. That's going to be the winner. The, the, but the lawyers always win. You know that, Buck. There we go. Truth social. I'm on it. Go check it out, everybody. Devin, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Buck. Cue the Jaws theme music. Five shark attacks reported off of Long Island, New York in the past two weeks alone. Be careful in the water, folks. Watch out for those fins. We got that story and more coming up in Quick Hits. The DEA sees a record-breaking amount of fentanyl in California earlier this week linked to the infamous Sinaloa cartel. And President Biden's greeting in Palestine is, uh, hmm, an interesting one. Those stories and more in quick hits, let's dive into it. Now, the Biden administration will tell you that they're doing a good job at the border. We know that that's absolutely absurd. The Biden administration will tell you that our law enforcement professionals feel like they have the support they need from DC, from the White House specifically, to get their jobs done. That's just also not true. And it's not only a function of illegal crossing. It's not just about people that are coming across the border without permission from the United States government. There's also the drugs that are coming across. The DEA has seized approximately 1 million pills laced with fentanyl in Inglewood, California, allegedly coming from the Sinaloa cartel. They're saying this is the biggest bust, single bust for fentanyl in the history of California. A million fentanyl pills, my friends. Understand this, fentanyl, and opioid, fentanyl is an opioid, overdoses are three quarters of the over 100,000 drug overdoses that killed Americans last year. There are literally tens of thousands of Americans who are dying because of this very drug pipeline coming across the US-Mexico border, 
and it is stealing lives all over the country. It is ruining families, it is destroying communities. The border needs to be secured. And then there's this story, five shark attacks in the last two weeks off of Long Island. He had a tourist bitten by a shark in shallow waters on Long Island Wednesday evening, just hours after a surfer was chomped on nearby. Five shark attacks off Long Island in just the last two weeks. Now, you know, they always tell us, oh, shark attacks are super rare, and statistically they are, but in this country, they've tended to be in warmer waters. You usually have shark attacks in Florida, South Carolina, California. That tends to be where the sharks are biting people. Five attacks off of Long Island? Something's going on here. Have you ever seen the movie Jaws? The movie Jaws is actually based on a series of attacks in Matawan Creek, New Jersey, uh, the early part of the 20th century, where three people, I believe, were killed over just a few days. They, they died. Uh, because of what was believed to be a bull shark that had gotten into waters that went as far as seven miles from the actual ocean, Brackish River of Matawan Creek. And that, from that, you get the story of Jaws, by the way. Nancy Pelosi is a huge hypocrite, uh, that's for sure. She's slamming Republicans on their gun laws and winds up criticizing her own party's lockdown rules. Check this one out. Regardless of background or zip code, and we offer hope to the American people who treasure our freedoms and who are overwhelmingly with us in our mission to defend them. What do Republicans have in store next? You can't travel to buy a book. You can't travel to see a concert or a play if they doesn't meet their, shall we say, I don't even use the word standards. They're, they're what? It's amazing this woman has been as, been as powerful in American politics as she's been, as long as she's been. It's, it's truly astonishing. And Biden's in the Middle East, as you know. Not like anything great's going to come out of this, but hopefully there's no huge blunders. Uh, the Palestinian Authority had an honor guard try to play the U.S. national anthem. And uh, this has gone somewhat viral already because some are suggesting they play. It's so out of tune. Some are thinking maybe they did this on purpose, but I just think, no, Palestinian Authority has trouble with a lot of things. Watch. some of those notes was not good. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. 
More than 3,300 were helped last year alone because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 